Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your Hello, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. Here we are looking at Psalm 36, halfway through the week. Today we're thinking about sin. I want to talk more about sin. It's we the, are going to think about sin. I couldn't remember when we were making the shift to going to talk about God, but there's a lot of sin in this psalm, so let's talk about a sin. a lot of sin in this psalm. It's the part of the and psalm. And a lot of God in this psalm. There is, but... Uh, but we're going to talk about sin first. I will just admit, it's the sin part that I know more about, and that's the sad thing. <laughs> so I've got to talk a little bit about that to remind me not to listen to sin and transgression. So there you Psalm go. 36. There you go. I want to read from the New American Standard Bible today. For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Thy faithfulness reaches to the skies. Thy righteousness is like the mountains of God. Thy judgments are like a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How precious is thy loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of thy wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of thy house, and thou dost give them to drink of the river of thy delights. For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light we see light. O continue thy loving kindness to those who know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the doers of iniquity have fallen, they have been thrust down and cannot rise. This psalm is quoted in Romans the third chapter. In fact, as I go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes, but that's actually where the Apostle Paul ends this litany about sin and sinners. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share a little bit more from Romans 3, okay? Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an empty tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The emphasis, or one of the things being emphasized, is the no, not one, neither Jew nor Gentile, but all mankind has sinned against God, which in the way Paul lines it out, ultimately is about no fear of God before their eyes. To me, interestingly, David kicks off the progression into sin, the settling down and being entrenched in sin begins with there is no fear of God before their eyes. 
Paul, he leads to that one with this litany of discussion of sin. He's quoted several Psalms, Psalm 14, Psalm 53, Psalm 5, Psalm 140, he's Psalm 10. He's quoted Proverbs. He's quoted Isaiah. And then he caps it off with this statement from Psalm 36, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And so when we place them together, what we realize is that sin begins by having no fear of God and it ends by having no fear of God. This is, this is kind of the, the summary of sin, no fear of God before their eyes, which, boy, tying it together with the judges, when there's no fear of God before my eyes, I'm likely to do whatever is right in my own eyes. And when I'm doing whatever is right in my own eyes, then there is no king no king of Israel. God is not the authority. God is not the ruler, whether it pertains to uh, the Israelites in the days of judges or even ourselves when it comes back to us. Notice that neither Paul nor David say that what's going on is there is no belief in God before their eyes. Okay. I think I see where you're going there. That's a powerful distinction. You see what I'm saying there? It's not that there's no faith in Mm -hmm. God before their eyes. It's that there's no fear of God. So certainly, of course, the person who doesn't believe God exists at all does not mm-hmm. fear the Lord. I, that, that's mm-hmm. true. I understand that. But that's not where the problem lies. The problem is not about whether I believe in God. It's whether I believe God matters. That's huge. And notice the contrast then going from verse 1 to verse 2. No fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself in his own eyes. As God is diminished, we then fill that vacuum in our own estimation, in our own eyes. That sounds like pride to me, Edwin, taking God down to build ourselves up in our own thinking. Which is why worship is so powerful. Mm. I wasn't thinking about this before we got started in the conversation, but worship is worth-ship. Yes. Worship is recognizing that God is the one who is worthy. Mm-hmm. And there's basically like these two tracks of worship, if you will. There's the track that lifts God up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's the track that humbles me. Yeah. And, and they go together. We need them both. I, I can't do one without the other. And so if I'm lifting myself up, automatically God is being humiliated. And if I'm humiliating God... I'm automatically puffing and exalting myself up. There's no fear of God before these folks' eyes, and so they automatically lift themselves up in their own eyes. And when they say things like, I don't think people will find out, I don't think anybody will know, I think I can get away with this, it's not that big of a deal anyway. It Again, you know, one of the things it demonstrates is we've talked about the two counselors all week long, and of, of course, yeah. in this psalm, it's transgression and God. We've highlighted that practically how that works out is our self-talk. Mm-hmm. When we when we run that track and run down that rabbit trail, what we really find out is it's me against God. To put another line to this thought, even as you're talking, this occurs to me, I'm, I'm looking again at verse 3 about the words of the transgressor, the sinner, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. Uh, he ceased to be wise and to do good. Well, of course he has ceased to be wise because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But it makes me wonder at, are these words of deception and lies only against others? 
He's lying on God. He's he's lying to deceive others. Or or is he even deceiving himself? You know, the heart is deceitful above all things. And if we're not going to give God his proper place, then this listless heart, we we might be telling ourselves all kind of lies and deceiving ourselves. This psalm not only takes us back to Psalm 1, it takes us back to the garden. Okay, okay. We recognize in Scripture that maturity is the ability to refuse evil and choose good. What do we have happening in the garden? Satan places a temptation before Eve to choose evil by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice how this discussion of sin in verses 1 through 4 ends. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not Not good. good. He does not reject evil. Mm. The mature would go in the way that is good and refuse evil. But what is he pointing out here? He is reminding us of what happened in the garden and how we repeat that same thing again and again and again when we refuse good and choose evil. Another connection, by the way, just just so you know, when we get down to verse, let's see here, what verse is this? Verse 8, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. Uh That word delights is Eden. Oh, boy. The river of Eden. Oh, that's cool. That is really powerful. We, we are supposed to be taken back to the garden here and recognizing how often we make the exact same mistake that Eve made, that Adam made. And it's because we are listening to the counsel of the wicked, just like Eve did, just like Adam well, when you did. say that, my mind is just firing in a, in a few different places now because I'm looking at verse 8, the satisfaction of the fullness of his house, drinking from the river of Eden. Of course, Eden was the place uh, where they had every fruit and, and everything was wonderful, no labor, no pain, right? And then verse 9, with you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light, Of course, there was the tree of life in Eden. Uh, Mm -hmm. With God's goodness, you have this perfection and provision and holiness, which sadly was marred by sin. Before we wrap up, I want to go back to Romans real quick and see where Paul goes next with Romans, because I think it's really important for us as we consider what's going on in the psalm. In Romans chapter 3, he caps off this treatise on sin with, there's no fear of God before their eyes, and then he comments on all these quotes Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable Mm -hmm. to God. The law was given to point out that we will be held accountable. But remember what transgression tells us in Psalm 36 is, no, we won't be held accountable. They won't even see. God won't even know. That's the lie. It'll it'll be okay. Yes, absolutely. That is the lie. Here's something that I thought of just as I was meditating on this. I think about the ways sin gets us to lie. Mm. And sadly, sin can use truth to get us to lie to ourselves. What is it that makes a lie believable? Some kernel of truth, Mm -hmm. something rings true about it. I think one of the greatest truths that gets distorted into the greatest lies. Hey, don't worry about sin. That's why Jesus died. Mm. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely true that Jesus died because of our sins, but Jesus did not die in order to get us to not worry about sin. Mm -hmm. Jesus died in order to demonstrate to us how awful sin is and to recognize that the only way to escape it is by him, Mm -hmm. by his grace, by his death. He did not die so that we could say, oh, sin doesn't matter. 
He died so that we would realize how much it does matter and decide to get away from it. Hmm. Realizing, of course, that once we are enslaved, there's no getting away except by Jesus. And so in Romans chapter six and verse one, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. The only way to escape sin is to be in Jesus Christ. And we get in Jesus Christ, not by saying sin doesn't matter, but by realizing it matters so much that we surrender our allegiance to him. And we do that through faith, repenting, and being baptized into his death. Amen. I I just wanted to make sure we said that out loud, because I think Psalm 36 gets us there when we connect it to what Paul says. It certainly does. In fact, if you'd like to know more about becoming a Christian, more about being baptized into Christ, I hope that you would contact us. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Until we meet again tomorrow to discuss more of Psalm 36, let's pray. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this psalm. We pray, God, that we might be humble before you, humble in our own sight, in our own estimation. Help us, Father, to fear you so that we would be wise, to fear you so that you are great and we are small. Cast out the deceitfulness of pride and the deceitfulness of sinful talk, even in our own hearts this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Oops. Maturity is the ability to choose evil. Excuse me. Boy, now I'm going to get it backwards. That's going to be bad. Now, that's not going to be maturity. I know that one's not. (laughs) That is not maturity. No, no. 